Hi, it's David Avern with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. As we look back at what was arguably the most devastating year for the meetings and conventions industry, we also look ahead to a remarkable resurgence marked by innovation and creativity and optimism and a recognition of the importance of meeting and connecting. And much of that has to be, it has to be in person. I'm talking today with Paul Van Deventer, President and CEO of Meeting Professionals International about the much anticipated and very welcome return of in-person events. It's David Avern on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. As the announcer guy just said, I am David Averin. Uh, you know what? Boy, what a challenging year for so many industries around the world, certainly from a health perspective, but also, of course, from a business perspective. And you look at any of the industries that do live in-person events. We saw what happened with sports, of course, and the, and the limited opportunities to be there in person. But for the people who actually work there and work behind the scenes, whether it's Broadway or Cirque du Soleil, or of course, the meetings and events industry, which is massive worldwide, and it serves a, a significant role, but also significant in terms of the employees as well. So I'm excited to talk to Paul Deventer right now from MPI, Meetings Professional International. Let me give you a quick introduction, but I want to talk about sort of the state of the industry and then how it impacts all of us in, in meetings uh, and business and how do we connect and how do we learn and share and grow together. Paul Van Deventer is president and CEO of Meeting Professionals International, MPI. It's the largest meetings and event industry association worldwide. It's a global community of 60,000 meeting and event professionals, including 14,000 of them who are engaged members MPI, nearly 70 chapters, clubs, members in 75 countries around the world. It is a uh, an important industry. It's a crucial industry. We've seen a tremendous change in how we connect and, and share, and not all of it is good, and some of it is okay, and I want to talk about all of that. Paul, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you, David. Great to be with you. Yeah, listen, um, boy, we, we have all been, been reeling in different ways, and of course, different industries, but how we connect and share and learn together and get our feet under the same table and break bread and whatever you want to call it um, has changed tremendously, but it's also changing back. Now, to what extent that pendulum will swing is sort of what I want to talk about today and what the meetings industry and the professionals behind it are doing to drive the changes and not just respond to them. So let's start off. Give me a quick update on the industry and, and where we've been and where you see the shift going. Well, let me maybe start with uh, following up on a comment you made about the, sure. the the importance and scale of this industry, which is really not very visible and and perhaps not well known. The business events industry uh, comprises everything from trade shows, conferences, uh, training sessions, customer experiences, and it is a business industry that delivers $1.5 trillion a year to the global economy. 
uh, with about 25, 26 million people directly employed in this industry. So on a, a comparative basis, it employs more individuals than the automotive industry. Uh, it's a larger GDP contributor than electronics or the movie industry. So it's a massive industry that people just don't think about when they think about an industry. Right. If you then talk about what happened in the last year and the devastation from a, uh, a welfare, a economic perspective, and the ec economies is how they shut down. And, and people talked about different industries being, being severely impacted. Our industry perhaps was the most impacted of any. Um, at, at the peak of the crisis, we were experiencing unemployment rates in the range of 70%. Um, just wow. devastating layoffs, uh, reductions, um, total loss in revenues. Uh, you, you had uh, essentially in most places around the world a complete shutdown of any live uh, event, uh, including all business conferences and, and trade shows. So the, the industry itself was just absolutely hammered. Um, that said, we're now looking out to the future and it's looking very positive. Um, we have a ways to go. We're, we see the, the sunshine at the end of the tunnel. We're, we're in a bit of a spring awakening, but recognizing there's still tragedy around the world. There, there's yeah. areas of very devastating hotspots, whether, whether you talk about India or Brazil. But we also are seeing vaccines that are effective, and we're seeing the vaccination rates going up. We're seeing marketplaces in different parts of the world beginning to reopen and, and welcome back um, whether it's in the retail or the restaurant industry, now starting to open up actual events themselves. So there's a positive trend there. The positive trend continues if you look at forward bookings. Um, end of this year into the beginning of next year, we are seeing an acceleration of bookings. 2019 was the strongest industry on, uh, strongest year on record for our industry, for hospitality industry overall, for travel and tourism. 2022 forward bookings are ahead of 2019. Uh, and they're not just ahead of it because of cost cutting, they're ahead of it with really strong revenue lines as well. So let me, but let me ask you a question about that because how much of that is revenge travel, right? People saying, damn it, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna do this because I, I miss it and I miss connecting. And how much of it is a recognition of, of what we lost? during that time, because we've learned that we can make this work. I mean, look at you and I, uh, for those who are watching the video version over Zoom, uh, but just because it can work doesn't mean it's ideal. And, and how much of that do you think is, is a recognition of the absolutely crucial nature of, of what we gain when we connect together? Yeah, re revenge travel. I hadn't heard that one yet. Um, that's a, oh, it's, it's a term I've heard quite a bit lately. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I, I've been tending to think of it more of deferred gratification or... Uh, um, another another way to look at it. Yeah, but, but, um, but how much of it is just because there was this pent-up desire and need and missing of it, and how much of it is recognition that we, we have to do this? It's interesting. I think there's a, there's a real blend going on in a number of areas. Uh, one is... There has been a um, certain areas need face-to-face -face no matter what. And there is a pent-up um, demand that has to occur. There's been critical um, conferences, trade shows um, that have been postponed that are now getting back on the books. So that's creating a bit of the compression. 
Um, but there's also um, been in some ways a, um, an ongoing um, awareness of the importance and the value and frankly, the internal need, the DNA of the human being to interact face-to-face -face has come into incredible clarity during the last 15 months. And that is driving some of this uh, forward bookings demand as well. And, and then you've got from a, a consumer side, um, the realities, the economic realities of people were forced to stay home. They, were, uh, they, yeah. they couldn't go out and spend money. What that now means is there are trillions of dollars in savings accounts that of accumulated wealth that was not there a year and a half ago. People have money burning in their pockets and they wanna go out and have those experiences again. So all this is coming together. Business travel has a pent up need. Um, you need to get back out and see your customers. Events and conferences have a pent up demand for postponements or deferred gratification. And then you've got the individual leisure traveler who's got money to burn. Uh, they have a desire to get out of their house to socialize again and to have those experiences they miss so much. So all that's coming together to create what looks like it's going to be one of the biggest years ever from a travel perspective in 2022. Yeah, and, and I think that's not wishful thinking. I mean, I think every industry sort of wants to put the best face on it. And the reality is even in a situation with 10% unemployment, that means 90% of people never missed a paycheck. Right. And so, but, but what a lot of people I think don't realize, and I think you made the point early on that it's sort of... Um, invisible to some. It's invisible because these are the people that actually work behind the scenes. It's the AV and it's the caterers and it's all the meeting professionals along the spectrum, which a lot of people aren't uh, familiar with. Now, what's interesting for me as a speaker and a person who delivers content at some of these as well, I'm very well aware of the, the people who will work for a year or longer putting together the intricacies of these events. I'm the guy who gets to show up the day before, wonderful opportunity to engage with the members, and gets applause at the end. I mean, it's surreal. It's unfair. Uh, I know how lucky I am to be in that position, but I'm also very respectful behind the scenes of the amount of people that it takes to put these events on. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about the impact of these tens of thousands of individuals who have literally been sidelined during this time. Well, you know, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, this industry directly employs over 25 million people. Um, a large percent of them are the day-to-day -day service deliverers, um, but there are millions of them who are those designers, the architects, the individuals who go into the, the planning of these events. And we ran 60 to 70% unemployment during these times. Um, the good news is, we're starting to re-employ, we're starting to reactivate workforces. The big crisis that is about to face our industry, uh, and this isn't just on the planning side, it's through the whole service delivery cycle, is because of COVID, we had such large reductions in force, a, a number of those individuals, professionals who had spent years in our industry with great knowledge of uh, how to design an event, how to deliver that event, um, they've moved on to new opportunities. They found new careers. Because um, they had to. They had to. Right. They, they may find they like it or they may found, um, you know, it's better compensation. Right down from the designer and architect to the individual who's putting the food on the table at the banquet, they, they've moved on to new things as well. That, that individual 
who was delivering food at the banquet had been gone through years of service delivery, understanding how to take care of the customer. There's a crisis right now in the travel and tourism industry and in the event industry and how to restaff. Uh, there, there's a massive shortage of talent and that talent's not only gonna have to be found, recruited, um, they're gonna have to be brought up to speed on a service delivery, uh, all the innovation and design work that goes into a conference and, and how we bring these live experiences to life. So someone like you, David, you do get to show up. You are the content that people are there to see, but all of the details that went behind getting you on that stage. Absolutely. Making it work, getting the people in their seats, um, ensuring the AV is correct. There's a big talent curve that we're going to have to go through to bring those groups back up to speed and get them ready for this massive impact we're going to see next year. Well, you know what? It's interesting. We hear a lot on the news and depending on when you're watching or, or listening to this about sort of the challenge of getting some of the people back to work because through the stimulus or through enhanced unemployment, they're making somewhat equal. But what we haven't talked much about is the brain drain, the institutional memory of the people in higher positions, not just the, the lower level service workers, which, which many of us served in those roles. I worked in hotels, I worked for a caterer in high school and college and things like that as well. But that is sort of a, a, one challenge, but the institutional memory is a real challenging one. So what is, is MPI's, Meeting Professionals International, doing in terms of, of helping to educate partner with hospitality schools and others as well to ensure that we have a new generation of talent to help um, to staff and to serve the, um, the meetings industry. And not just the industry, of course, is the businesses and the weddings and others who rely on the industry to make these events successful. Yeah, I, you know, this is a, um, there's a few, um, there, there's several significant benefits, if you will, that came out of COVID in, in my perspective. Um, one of them is a point you're getting at right now. Uh, the value of associations, not just MPI, but associations in general, I think was being greatly challenged in, by younger generations. Um, mm -hmm. I would say, I can find content online. Um, there, there's many other places that I can get information. I don't need to go where my parent went to get this information. Associations don't seem to be relevant to me. Associations shined over the last 12 to 15 months because the core of most associations is twofold. One is the professional development and education of the workforce in that industry. And the second is the opportunity to advocate and promote the value of that industry. Both of those were critical needs last year. Um, you needed to bring awareness to your industry to be able to access and bring forth the government support programs and, and uh, other initiatives that are critical to survival for the industry. More importantly, you needed to be able to reskill, re-educate individuals and find talent and bring new people in. That's where the associations are playing such a critical role right now. And as you look forward, that's where Meeting Professionals International, the major focus we have right now is on that recruitment, workforce development, education, skill training, uh, bringing people up to speed. And that's everywhere from an executive leading a destination uh, marketing organization, uh, a hotel executive, down to the, the individual calling the meeting event show itself, um, the producer behind the scenes, the AV individuals, um, the meeting planners and designers. 
we are very much at the forefront with our MPI Academy of providing those educational opportunities, both directly in a classroom format, whether it's digital or in person, and much more importantly, on a networking perspective, connecting the people to learn from each other, uh, right. each other and leveraging those networks together. But isn't that the case with, with many of the associations? You talked about, about how association shined, and I agree, and, and much of my audience is association, but we've also learned what, what is lost in that in-person meeting. And not only was there sort of a crisis in associations and any sort of gathering churches and others during the last 10 years, as a new generation of people were looking at being able to access information for free online and everything else, but we've also seen um, a measure is probably the wrong word, a measure of concern or panic among associations that even for members of associations across the board who don't generally avail themselves of all the member benefits. I know you on the association side, you work very hard to create a robust um, menu of options and services available for your members. Most members don't avail themselves of those, but they are available. But in many cases, they will justify that expenditure, that membership, because they get that time once a year to connect with other people who do what they do. It's the trade show. It's the, it's the meetings and the content. It's the serendipity of the unexpected conversations in the hallways between meetings. We lost that for a year. And so talk to me about what we, what, what did we, what did we learn about what works, what doesn't, and what we need. I know we've touched on that, but, yeah. but this, I'm, I'm telling you, people were saying early on, and, and I don't mean to get on a rant because this is, so, because I'm so into this as well, is that people are saying this has accelerated what has long been predicted. It's going to be the Jetsons. We're going to do it all virtually. And we were two months in and they were already starting about talking about Zoom fatigue. Right. It didn't exist. And in May and June, into this pandemic, we're already realizing what we've lost in this. Well, I, you know, I, I said there's a couple big benefits that came out of, of COVID um, from, from me, both a personal and business perspective. I, I mentioned the one that the, the value of associations has come screaming to the forefront. Um, yeah. Individuals are realizing the benefit of being part of an association, a professional network, and, and what that can do for them. The, the, the second benefit, if you think back, Years ago, just before the pandemic, um, the environment we were in, there was an anti-tourism movement going on around the world. Uh, we had destinations that were saying we're oversaturated. We don't want travel and tourism anymore. There were, there were people talking about um, the saturation of live events and how digital should replace live events. And, and that um, we just were tired of going to meetings. We're tired of being around people. So we were reaching a bit of a crisis point in the overall um, hospitality industry, and then specific in, in the business events industry around how do we continue to demonstrate value? And are we at risk that this industry itself is going to collapse? Destinations don't want us anymore. Um, people don't want to go to meetings. Well, several months into the COVID quarantine, um, and then as that progressed, uh, a funny thing happened. Uh, people began to realize I miss socializing. Yeah. I miss getting out and having experiences. We had from you know the 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 old uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" movie. We had a George Bailey moment. The world learned what it's like to live without live events. They learned what it's like to live without socialization and in-person experiences. And the world realized 
they desperately need it. It's the natural DNA of the human being to get together, to socialize. And there's nothing more successful than a one-on-one -on -one experience. There's nothing more successful than a face-to-face -face experience. So we now need to take um, you know, full advantage of that recognition. And what's happened though is you have had an acceleration of the technology, the digital platforms. Um, they were always out there. People were using them to varying degrees, but it was a very slow progress. We accelerated the use of it. We've learned what works well. We've learned what doesn't work. And what I think we've learned most of all is to me, we're, we're very in the near future, not gonna be talking about an in-person event or a digital event. We're just gonna be talking about events. And the event will have all various components. There'll be digital components. There'll be in-person components. We'll be able to engage a much broader audience in different manners using technology. We'll have further reach. We'll have ability to engage sooner and later after the meeting using technology. Yep. But it's all going to blend together. And the expectation will no longer be, I am planning an in-person, very formalized agenda meeting. And those in the room get it. And those not in the room don't experience it. We're going to be planning a comprehensive, inclusive, multi-channel meeting that everyone can participate in, in whatever media or format works best for them. And maybe that format media changes during the meeting itself. You may come in and out different ways. So, so tell me about the, the, the Delta. What's, what's the gap in learning to make that come to fruition? I think in many cases already has, but even during the pandemic, we saw a shift every two months. Oh, it's all going to go virtual. Oh, we really need to meet. Oh, now everything's going to be hybrid. Is the term hybrid going to go away just because we already know that meeting will come to mean yes. all of those things? That, and, and why are so many organizations so bad at this right now? I mean, first of all, I, I made that statement a little bit ago. I, I think the concept of hybrid goes away. Um, you know, that, so that's my um, forecast. Uh, whether it disappears or not, I think the concept of hybrid at least goes away. That a meeting is redefined as a hybrid event. So the word hybrid just disappears as we just start to know or assume that when I'm planning a meeting, there better be digital components. There better be opportunity for people to engage in multi-channels and, and different mediums. Uh, so that, that does begin to alter itself. The learning curve will be significant, but we've had a year of testing. Um, Thank you. And one of the things that it's been a year, friends, well, come yeah, on. Yeah. And, you know, David, early on in this, we started doing some 100 percent digital events and, sure. and my our team or organizations I was involved with, they're very nervous. Like this could be we don't know what we're doing. I'm like, you have the ultimate forgiveness right now. Uh, people recognize the bar was very low. They just want to get in touch however they can. And right. the bar's low. Let's just put something out there, see how it works, learn from it, advance. And step by step, but those steps started coming faster and faster in those first few months. Yeah. We had some terrible, terrible digital conferences that I was part of. Um, really uncomfortable in some ways and, and stiff and you know not interactive. And then you could see week by week, each conference I attended was getting better. And if I look at what I've seen in the last four or five weeks that I've been part of versus where I was in February, March of last year, 
Yeah. Light years ahead. We, COVID has accelerated that learning curve. It's forced us to go 100% digital, meaning we had to learn everything on the fly. And the industry has advanced itself. And now that natural blend is coming back in with digital coming into the in-person. That's the phase we're now going to learn through the next next three months to a year. Um, and, and I think if you look back now, go forward two years and look back, uh, you're going to see such phenomenal advancement in this industry and how I agree. the in-person experience is going to be so much greater and so much more valuable because of this overall engagement and how we produce the show. We've learned how to reproduce an event. Well, and here's the other thing is, I think it's also highlighted, and I don't mean to, to speak ill of colleagues or others, those who have not taken the time to upgrade their skill sets. The, the, the difference between those that are excruciatingly boring and those who are effective, which I think only highlights the importance of working with true professionals in the industry. Everybody says, oh, I can do this or we can do it internally. My God, bring in people who understand this, who understand what works and what doesn't. Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And my colleagues in MPI and across the board who are true professionals in this we, are the difference between a great event and one that is that is is tolerated, one that is is um is quickly abandoned by participants, right? I mean, or, as we were talking about associations, uh, it's really important. Retention is really important right now, and so as we deliver content, it has to be effective, it has to be dynamic and engaging. And there are organizations who are killing it, and there's others who are still lagging behind. And we need to bring them all up. Everybody's got to get better. There are, there are groups that have stepped into the breach here. They've stepped into this gap and have just advanced the skill set and the actual experience so fast. Um, there's folks who may never catch up. Uh, we could see different providers underneath, but- Well, uh, I think they'll fall by the wayside, don't you think? It'll be a great antidote. Um, this is early in COVID. I live in California. We went into you know the lockdown of lockdowns. Right. Um, and it was like, Maybe uh, June, July was the first time we were allowed to, to get takeout from a restaurant and meet outdoors. So I, I had lunch with a colleague of mine at a picnic table. Hadn't seen him in a while. And I said, what have you been up to? He said, I just spent two weeks in LA in um, visiting all of the studios. And I was like, what? what were you doing up there? He goes, well, I, what I realized is what the way we produced a live event was old and stale. It was these... 30 to 60 minute blocks, the same speaker delivering content, the audience responding at the end. Right. All just formatted and scripted. He goes, online, this is a TV show. So I just spent two weeks in TV production studios learning how they produce a show and how I can bring that into first the digital experience today I have to do, but more importantly, into the in-person when we come back. And it's not about 30 to 60 minute segments. It's about two to three minute segments. It's about audience engagement. It's about moving from one topic to the other, being nimble. And I have seen that in how events are coming together. People are rethinking that in-person event and the whole dynamic is gonna be very different when we go back into those trade shows, those conventions, the, those business conferences. And, and if you're not up to that, if you're not at that speed, you are gonna be left by the wayside. Absolutely. Well, I, here's what, what another interesting dynamic, which is the whole, and you had mentioned be, about the before, during, and after. Those who are in person and those who are watching virtually and all of that coming together sort of an omni-channel within the business or within the meetings industry, but it's almost the Netflix 
effect as well, is that people can binge shows. When you and I were growing up, we watched a show that was on Sunday and you watched it on Sunday. And if you missed it, you missed it. And you didn't talk. You talked during the commercials, right? right? And because you couldn't record it. Today, tell me about how the meetings industry is looking at events in terms of content that can be experiential when it occurs, but also evergreen in terms of those who, who invest in attending can access that information long-term. I think it's a very exciting part of, of what's happening with meetings and content. I, 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 you know, we were down that path for numerous years before COVID. We were, we were recording, we were storing, we were allowing online access um, uh, in real time and then um, in, you know, afterwards. But what will be very different is the value of that content and the experience in watching that content. Because to me, watching a one-hour speech uh, on a canned um, digital feed can be pretty boring if I'm not there in the audience. Right. What I talked about is individual designers learning how to reprogram the entire content, the flow, the show experience. If I now have to pull that one hour segment down later and watch it, and it's moving with that pace of a talk show, uh, moving at the pace of a, a TV production, it's going to be more engaging, a better experience for me. I'll be more apt to watch it all the way through. I'll be more apt to learn from it and, and take the right nuggets out of it. And so, more likely to revisit the content. Yes. And then you sure. saw it in person. How often do we leave conferences with notebooks full of notes and you never get back to it or the swag bag with squishy balls and whatever else. And we find it years later, there is a great opportunity for those who experience it in person. They have the shared experience of the audience, but then revisiting that content to reinforce it is really exciting for me. Yes. I agree. I agree. All right. So real quickly, before we're done, I want to talk to me really quickly and all of our, our audience as well. Once again, talking to Paul Van Deventer from MPI, um, as we reopen, <clears throat> talk to me about, about, MPI and your meeting professionals in helping to sort of establish this measure of uh, and, and perception and reality of safety and this duty of care so that we as participants, so as organizations who send their people, feel a sense of confidence in re-engaging personally face-to-face -face at conferences and events. Well, um... I'm glad you brought this up because one of the most critical responsibilities of an event designer, event planners, and the event hosts is the safety and wellness of their attendee. Um, and we have for years in the event design side had at the forefront what we, we term duty of care. I think what's evolved over time is the span and scope of what duty of care entails. Um, yeah, it began with making sure everyone is sheltered and fed, right? And then you begin to take on further responsibilities. And we had a rash of terrorism incidents, um, you know, only four or five, six years ago that began to get us thinking about what are we doing from a, a safety and security preparation and that duty of care, ensuring the, the wellness of the attendees and, and preparing for um, a, a safety and security risk all became part of it. Natural disasters, how do we prepare and ensure the safety and wellness 
in case of a, a hurricane, a tornado. Uh, so all that is part of the duty of care. There's a whole new element and a layer of duty of care now around wellness beyond just providing for a little yoga break in the morning or um, some exercise in the afternoon. Uh, the, the duty of care components around ensuring that we are protecting the attendee, the live attendee from illness. And what are we doing to follow all of the proper recommended health guidelines? What are we doing to bring awareness to those procedures so that people have the confidence to travel and the confidence to the attendee event is all a cornerstone of what planners are working on now. Uh, we, we just, we held a, a large in-person conference in November in Texas. We had almost 700 people together for four days. And duty of care was the entire theme, overriding theme of the conference. We prepared people months ahead of time for how to come to that conference, what we were gonna do with them when we were there. We had daily health monitor checks in the morning that everyone did in their room digitally. Then you arrived at the, the event itself and you were rescreened and you were given a wristband if you were certified with the right health plan was to come in. We had the right social distancing. So all of that then became a case study. After two weeks of post follow-up event and contact tracing, we had zero cases of COVID linked to that event because the proper procedures were followed and the attendees also understood their own responsibility. They were part of that. They had to behave correctly and they all were responsible for the proper duty care. Going forward, all of that's gonna be core to all of our events. That communication ahead of time, that visibility and communication during the event and that shared responsibility of attendees for the wellness of each other when they're at those events. So well, and we know how to do that now. And so I think MPI, not only modeling it and testing it within your own events as well, but teaching organizations who don't specialize in this, whether they're in manufacturing or restaurant or retail or anything, when they meet, it's MPI that can give them the structure and the guidance to do it effectively. We can meet, my God, it's been 15 months. We know how to do it. We do. And, and absolutely, that, that is that reskilling, reeducation that MPI and other associations need to be at the forefront of. And it's core to what we're doing. We're taking best practices, we're taking case studies, and we're turning those into educational courses to bring everyone up to speed. And we can do it. We've proven we can do it. it it's it's now getting the message out and bringing folks up to speed. The future is huge. The future is different. It's exciting. We, we have focused on the lesson in the loss, and we've taken that time to get better. Huge honor to talk to Paul Van Deventer from MPI. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about how to hold their events, those who are still reluctant, who are looking at 2022 or beyond, how do they... Uh, connect with an MPI professional to learn how to do this effectively, get people in the same room and, and get back to business. Um, the quick, easiest way is just go to us on the website, mpi.org. And um, uh, there's many ways within that, that you can learn how to connect uh, through MPI, whether it's directly with one of our staff members, our educational opportunities, our conferences, or really importantly, the backbone of MPI is we have an extensive chapter network around the world. And those chapters are now reopening, uh, doing live events themselves. And if you go to our mpi.org website, you can learn about the chapters. You can learn about what, what chapter might be near you and their calendar of events. 
And really importantly, come join us in Las Vegas. Um, we'll be there in five weeks. I uh, will be there as well. The brand new, gorgeous Caesars Forum Conference Center, um, June uh, 13th uh, through 17th. And uh, David's going to be one of our key speakers providing content. So excited to see uh, a lot of people in person. We, we hope that's going to be a great uh, stepping stone for industry, the first major industry event this year uh, in person. Um, and there will be a digital uh, com uh, complimentary event going on as well. So if you can't join us in person, you can join us digitally. But you can learn all about that at mpi.org. So hope to see Outstanding. many Outstanding. Hey, thanks. Hang on with me a second. We'll, we'll touch base on the other side of this. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. You know, some of the most innovative solutions to your biggest customer-facing challenges are likely found within the creative minds of your own people. Let me contribute to your Morning Huddle conversation with your team. You can learn more about membership in this powerful global initiative by visiting CustomerExperienceAdvantage.com. All of my books are available on Amazon, including my brand new book. Let me throw this around here called The Morning Huddle just came out be sure to click to like this podcast subscribe leave your comments below and click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes you can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidaverin.com thanks for tuning in this is the customer experience advantage podcast check out the past episodes some great conversations leave a comment and a big thanks to my guest paul d venter i'm david Averin. be good this has been the customer experience advantage podcast with david Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.